0: Robert Cioffi is a managed service provider uh, in the IT field. Uh, it's similar business to mine, exact business to mine. We both started in 1993 in the Northeast. Known Robert for a long time. Uh, we have a great conversation on advice for other IT service providers or technology service providers, some categories that they get put in, uh, if they're kind of a lifestyle or they want to do rapid growth, kind of everywhere in between. We talk about what vendors should, should do to help uh, managed service providers. It's a great conversation on business, on, on technology. I always enjoy talking to Robert really, really knowledgeable, been in the business for a long time, he now facilitates peer groups, still has his MSP, but a great conversation uh, and some uh, a teaser on what vendor taxes and are um, uh, MSP is overtooled? Very interesting conversation. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born, next thing I know I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension, I knew something had to change, discipline. I like many of you have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them hopefully? all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family, and their passion, and their careers, and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. We have a good dynamic. Robert, thank you so much for doing this.
1: You're welcome, Joe. I appreciate thank you for having me.
0: It. Yeah, yeah, I uh I, uh, we've known
1: each other for a long time. We have indeed. I want to say it's at least maybe 13 to 15 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of similarities. We both started a company in 93. Yes. And, uh, we're both in the Northeast or New York. I'm in uh, new Haven and, uh, we're, so born, Robert,
1: we're born five days apart. That's right. That's another thing. Right. We're born five days apart. We, we well, I, you know, not to be negative here, but uh, one of us was married to a PhD scientist right. and one of us that's still right. is.
0: That's right. Now, who's older? I'm the June 30th, 68 year. I think I,
1: I got you beat by five days. By
0: five days. I say, yeah. I say, huh. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Very cool. So oh, we both it have two
0: girls. girls. That's right. We are both have two daughters. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we're both paisans. There's a the <laughs> yeah. list Italian, keeps going. Italian yeah. descent. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't be shocked if some Italian broke out in the, uh, in the conversation today. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, I'm planning on it. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Allora, So, um, is it a good time right now? Do you think to be a managed service provider, a technology service provider?
1: Um, I think it's a great time to be an MSP. Um, it not to under, not to uh, uh, gloss over the challenges that this uh, industry has for us because there are plenty of challenges, uh, new challenges that I don't think any of us really expected mm. in our you know careers or you know what we set out to build businesses. Whether you started five or ten or or like us close to thirty years ago, no one I think anticipated um, the, the climate, you know, of insurance and cyber threats and liability and, uh, you know, that whole rigmarole. Um, but, um, but certainly there's with any of those challenges, I think there are plenty of opportunities that follow.
0: Yes, certainly all the, and not even to mention, you know, the pandemic pushing remote workforce and, uh, the challenges are there, but, one of the great reasons why I like technology is because it constantly changes. And one of the things I, or the thing I hate most is that it constantly changes.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a wicked roller coaster ride sometimes. And there, I I have to admit, and I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody with a technical bone in their body, uh, that, you know, sometimes you just wish the ride would stop so you can get off and, you know, have lunch and sit on a bench and, not let the world, you know, revolve around you at 100 miles an hour. But you know, we've we it's it's the career path that we've chosen, and despite that, you know, the the turmoil and turbulence it creates sometimes. I think most of us are mostly energized by the thrill.
0: Certainly, and when we talk about managed service providers, we're generally they're technology led. Is it, you know, and we both know examples where there's. Uh, MSPs that are excellent at technology, but perhaps not at, you know, leading a company. Talk right. about that a little bit, just being a business owner and being a president or a CEO versus, you know, just being a technology service provider.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think this, this industry has, um, uh, plenty, plenty of examples of, and we, and, you know, you and I both know, are friends with many, mm. uh, who started this business as a technician and then suddenly realized that they actually have, an enterprise on their hands, right? Not just you know that little consulting thing, that job turned into an actual bona fide, valuable business. Mm. And the skills required to run an operation uh, profitably and soundly, uh, and still while maintaining high levels of service, right? Because now we're no longer providing the front end services, someone else's on our behalf, opens up uh, a, a world of of issues, business management, culture, strategy, uh, finance, uh, operational scalability. I can go on and on and on. But the point is, is that I think most of us in this business weren't trained for that necessarily. I'm not saying uh, nobody was. I mean, I know that there are, you know, I have friends that came from CPA backgrounds or pure business backgrounds. Uh, But most of us overall uh, are technicians at heart and that's what our training is in, not in business management or operational excellence. So we've all had to learn. But you know what? I'm really proud of not, and I'm not speaking for myself, but of the mm. the partner community that I know of, especially through the Evolve partner community, as well as others, right, that I've met over time, um, of watching people mature in that way and step up into the role of uh a chief operating officer, a, you know, a CEO, a president, a, bus- a true business leader, right? And, and watching them flourish to the point where now they've become subject matter experts and sought after uh, authors and speakers and consultants to help other businesses succeed in their path.
0: Yeah, very well said, Robert. And, of course, Evolve is a peer group of, of MSPs, IT service providers. Uh, it used to be Heartland Technology Group, and now ConnectWise, an a, a, uh, independent software vendor, a, a great partner that creates software for us, uh, owns the Evolve community. Uh, so why did you start – I mean, what brain damage hit you in 1993 to make you start a, <laughs> start a company?
1: Well, um, I, I don't know if it was genetic. Um, I'm actually not to uh, self promote, especially on something that is more vaporware. Uh, I, I'm I'm considering writing a book on my family heritage and the yeah. stories of immigration and you know World War Two, Italy, and coming to America. There's just I, I've listened to generations of you know my mom and aunts and uncles and other relatives just tell these stories that I find are fascinating. Mm. Uh, But um, that that, uh, entrepreneurial spirit has been in my family for generations. Uh, And coming to America, I think, you know, is an example of of how they lived uh, and took risks and, you know, made better for themselves by a lot of, you know, grit and determination. And so I don't know, there was a There was just something, I think, inbred in me, even as a kid, that I couldn't really recognize. I think I got a taste of consulting in my uh, late high school, believe it or not, and college days in the late 80s, where I was starting to get paid because I knew something about computers. Mm. Um, So that was sort of interesting to me. Wow, I I can charge for this, something that I love to do. So, fast forward without giving you crazy details here, but I spent a few years at GE Capital out of college. uh, And quite frankly, it was an, you know, they paid me extremely well. There was an amazing career path. It wasn't a job, it was a career path in front of me. And I turned it all down. Mm -hmm. I walked away from it. Uh, I walked away from it to starve literally for like three years. Well, not literally, figuratively for three years. Uh, while I cobbled together the few customers that I had on the side with my business partner, um, who has a very similar background to us, by the way.
0: Right, yes. Okay.
1: And, you know, he had a few accounts. And we just, I don't know, we, you know, through through college, we always, you know, we were tight friends. We took every class together. So we had always talked about this vision of, well, we can start a company. Why work for somebody else, right? That sort of American spirit of mm. entrepreneurialism and you know, the sky is the limit. And I think that's what initially drove us to start progressive computing in 1993. Um, Can't say that it's, you know, it's all glory. I mean, those first couple of years were rough in getting it off the ground. Uh, But, you know, I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And in
0: 1993, when you did this with your partner, were you married? Did you have kids? Did you have a mortgage? Mm -hmm. You have a car payment?
1: I was just talking about this because, um, uh, I was on vacation last week and I had a lot of my family to get, my mom and my three brothers and their wives. And we were kind of recounting, you know, going through, uh, historical events, uh, not just in the thirties, forties, fifties, uh, but also like in, you know, in like what happened to us. And so I got engaged, uh, in June, I'm sorry, in November of 92 and then shortly thereafter, decided I'm going to quit and start my own business. So mm. I phoned my uh, then fiance and said, hey, honey, I think we're going to need to put the wedding off for a little bit. <laughs> uh, she was super supportive, very, very on same page with me. Uh, so that it pushed off our wedding to 1995. Um, uh, normally, I probably would have been wed within the year, probably like by the end of 93 I probably would have been married so it, it delayed the wedding about two years uh, our first child wasn't born until um, uh, uh, actually a few months after September 11th so 2001 uh, still living at home at the time so I was still able to you know I was in a position to um, get the company off the ground mm. without a lot of expenses or overhead not having to worry about a mortgage or um, I did have a car payment, you know, but uh, I managed to, you know, take care of my own. Other than the free rent that mom afforded me mm-hmm. uh, in those first two years.
0: And you would think now there's a specific, or perhaps an advantage where you know we needed to put up servers and put up hardware and put up all these things in our office back then, and you know, into the 2000s. Whereas today they could just be born in the cloud. Is a specific advantage to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I often say that internally here. You know, we get uh so um it's easy to get trapped into thinking a certain way, right? Mm. We we do it this way. Why? Because we've always done it that way. There's the parable of the five monkeys, which I won't go into, but if, if you're listening to me now, go look it up if you don't know what it is. It's really interesting study and kind of funny little story around it. But um you know, I often say, hey, look, you know what, if we were starting an MSP today, how would we go about doing things? And I want to say, not radically different, but somewhat different than mm. the way we've done things. You're right. I can just, you know, go to a portal, sign up for something. I don't need any hardware infrastructure. I don't even need employees. I can outsource right. those as well, right? right? I don't need a Salesforce. I can outsource that. Marketing, I can outsource that, right? You can literally, I can't, I can't necessarily say you do it well. Um, But you could literally put uh, together a company using virtual resources, not be a virtual company as in employees who work from home or distant places, but literally no employees. Right. right? But still have teams of people working for you.
0: It's very interesting how that infrastructure is work. So, I mean, you've teased us. You're going to have to tell us about the five monkeys. I, I don't know this parable.
1: You don't know the five monkeys well. I, don't. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bad job of explaining it, but there was a study, and I don't know. Some people say that it was an actual study. Other people say it's just a, you know, it's just a story, a metaphor. Uh, but it's essentially they put five monkeys in a cage, and they put bananas at the top of a ladder, and any time a monkey tried to go get the the bananas, they would shock him. Um, uh and they would shock all the other monkeys too so eventually when so what they did the mon- monkeys learned not to go to the top of the ladder then they right. took a monkey out put a new one in who instantly went up to the top and the other monkeys who were used to getting shocked would beat up that new monkey hmm. and um so the story goes that they swapped out all the monkeys to a point where there were none of the original monkeys who had learned the behavior of getting shocked they actually stopped shocking the monkeys But anytime a monkey tried to go to the top of the ladder to get the bananas, uh, all the other monkeys would beat him up. And if monkeys could talk and you ask them, why are you doing this? They would say that's because that's the way we've always done things around here. Right. So I probably didn't do a great job of explaining it in thorough detail. But but that's it in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's very true. I remember hearing this one story about how this recipe was passed down generations, generations. Where this, you know, they had this big pot roast, and um, and they would cut the ends off, and mm. um, and and the, the child would say, "Well, why are you doing that?" She goes, "Well, that's the way my mother did it." So she went and asked the mother, "Why'd you do that?" That's the way grandma did it. So uh, she went to the great grandmother and said, "Well, the reason why we did that is because the pans are so small, we needed the room, so we cut the edges off." <laughs> You know, and so it got passed down. We yeah. just didn't need to do that. But the anymore.
1: problem, right, the the yeah. solution didn't require to be fixed. You know, like there wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah, but the solution maintained. Yeah.
0: Very interesting. And has, you know, <coughs> the client, we, back in 93, we're, we weren't exactly doing managed services. We're doing more network support. I did a little application yeah. development. Now it's kind of turned into what we call fixed pricing and um, where it's actually, it, it, it's evolved. Have have the client's needs evolved since then
1: to now? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, um, uh, by tremendous orders of magnitude, I mean, what we did back then. In fact, Joe, what I often say is I've probably had five businesses since I've started mm. because it morphs every five or six years what yeah. we do, right? Um, we actually started this company Doing mostly application development, I was building applications that's right. that's from right. scratch that were one hundred percent character DOS based. Hmm. I mean, forget Windows. You know, Mac was like a weird novelty on the side at the time. Uh, nothing was, you know, mouse or you know, graphical user interface. Um, that's what we did. Right? DB three and, and you know, Clipper. Uh, yeah, I did uh, Clipper. Uh, Clipper. I did X based programming X-based, and. Yeah. Uh, I did it in Clipper. Clipper nice was too. was was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I literally built applications from like a blank screen, flashing curtain, no lines of code and just built out, you know, I spent I can't even tell you the amount of hours. I can't even measure it in hours, months of man hours, you know, into development of code and we you know, and like I said, like over time, it kept changing. It went into, well, now I can buy accounting software with source code. And then, well, now there's this thing called NT and Novell. Let's install the, like, and it just kept morphing. And more. And then we got into the break fix, uh, break fix business and got out of the application development business because that was a little bit more lucrative, right? It was mm-hmm. quicker, faster money, right? Without these long cycles. Um,
0: and no scope creep. Like in, in yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and you know, you got to be a special breed to do application development. I think we could have stuck with it and done it, but we just made this choice to go into what uh, seemed to be a, a better business model. I mean, remember in '93, uh, a small business could have one, maybe two computers, right? right? And that's what we were building for. But by the late nineties, networks were becoming extremely popular and the demand surged. So that's the business that we went after. Uh, and then since then, you know, it's changed a few more times, right? And the mode that we're in now, you know, I think uh, cloud is now definitely behind us, mm. meaning it is like the standard, like who's not doing cloud services. There was actually a bug in exchange server on premise uh, those are mail servers that are uh, in your office. Who has those anymore? Well, they still exist, but there was a, a Microsoft bug on January 1st uh, where mail stopped flowing. And I had texted my team actually from a beach, believe it or not, wow. when I was in Florida saying, hey, I got an alert and do we have any left? Right? And the answer was resoundingly like, no, <laughs> we don't need to worry about this. Um so uh, my point about that was that you know cloud is is the you know cloud solutions are really for the most part eighty five percent you know are is the standard uh, now it's become cybersecurity right and li- and business risk and business liability we're having discussions not about technology but how technology solves business problems
0: yeah yeah it's very true all too often. You know, we 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 you know you and I have some access to a lot of vendors, of course, being in the business, and they start promoting the features over value. And I think yes. um, a lot of times MSPs make the same mistake. You know, uh, these are the features, and get a little too technical, and they they uh, should be talking about value to their to their customers. Now, you're also a, a facilitator of of MSPs of these peer groups, and uh, you work a, a lot with MSPs. We were, you know, certainly in the same, not the same group, but in the same community. And yes. uh, so what, what, what are some common things you see with MSPs? What are some advice you can give to MSPs today?
1: Yeah, uh, great question, Joe. Um, and thank you for noting that. I've been facilitating two different peer groups uh, within the Evolve community for the last uh, several years. Uh, and it's afforded me um, a tremendous opportunity to um not just lead the groups um uh, but to listen and learn myself mm. to you know it's just amazing even 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 in a group uh, even in a a member of a of one of my groups who might be let's just say uh on the lower side of the operational maturity level like they're smaller they still got a lot to learn they're making tons of mistakes but it's pure gold when they say something and like the rest of the group turns their head and goes like wow that was like really you know mm. that was a very poignant uh, piece of advice that you just gave and it really like, you know, changes the room. Um, the, the the biggest piece of advice I can give you is just kind of what I'm talking about is you cannot be successful in this business without engaging in the community. And what I mean by that is not just engaging with vendors, right? The suppliers that make the tools and the solutions that we use, but you really need to get out there and meet your peers. You need to learn from them. You need to sort of check your ego at the door and just assume for the moment that you don't have all the answers because you likely don't. And that's the one big thing that I've learned being an Evolve member for now you know, 11, 12 years uh, and now being a facilitator for the last two is that Everybody can learn from everybody else. It's interesting, Joe, because I ask customers and other people that I know in my local community uh, about their particular industries. Oh, you're in the AV industry. Don't you have a peer association? Oh, you're you're a, you're a psychologist. Isn't there a peer association for that? Like resoundingly, almost unanimous. I can't say unanimously, but but more often than not, the answer is no, and they're mm. shocked to hear. The level of engagement that the IT industry uh, has with each other as mm. peers and our willingness to share information, concepts, wisdom, uh, best practices, business advice with each other—it's dare I say almost like a, you know—and I you know in this politically correct world, I have to be careful about my words here, but it, like a fraternity, right? Because there's mm. plenty of uh, plenty of uh, wonderful uh, female. Members of our community, Um, but you know, if I can call it a fraternity in the in in the sense of understanding the concept, that's the way it is. You just instantly bond with these people, um, and you instantly at least you know put some credence into what they're saying. So uh, that's the biggest piece of advice: is get yourself plugged into the community because it'll transform your business.
0: I remember the first time I had. You know, I was in a peer group. I I don't remember what year it was. It's gonna be late '90s, but yeah, I remember thinking, "This is this is incredible. This is what I've been missing." You know, I uh, business owners oftentimes we feel like we're on an island. Problems are only our ours. Nobody can really understand. And then you get together, uh, and and you you talk. But there's plenty of kind of horizontal peer groups, like uh, EO or. Yes. Um, you know, there's those kind as well. I, I've never. Vistage. We've got friends that are that are part of that as well. I don't know how effective it is if it's not in your industry. Do you have any experience in that?
1: Well, I think it can be effective. Yeah, I've been a subject matter expert speaker in front of different groups like that, um, and I know members of like E and and Vistage and whatnot. Vistage, and there's yeah. definitely value there. I'm not saying that there isn't. I just from it's a different value, right? Because you're hearing from people who are not in your industry. Um, And so you're getting insights and advice from completely alien perspectives, Mm. which I think is, is awesome. And I would encourage everybody to supplement with that. But from an MSP's perspective, from an, you know, if you're in the IT business, you're not going to get the answers that you really need uh, deeply um, without peer involvement, right? Like here's a a great example. I mean, just the way you run your business from a financial perspective and the KPIs, the metrics that you look at the ratios or certain terms, like, you know, I'm just, I'm using some simple ones that most people will understand things like service gross margins, or, you know, like a W2 multiplier, which comes out of the SLI world, you know, just things like that, that help us understand oh, I'm spending too much money in this area, right? And I'm not getting the value return or I can spend more as long as I can keep up this, you know, if I push this other lever, right? Then then I'm able to spend the right money in this place, right? So it's those sorts of things that you're not gonna get necessarily from uh, those other groups where they're not in your industry because they don't understand the particulars mm. of and the nuance of your particular business.
0: Yeah, very well said. Of course, you mentioned KPIs, key performance indicators. SLI is Service Leadership Index, a a a common kind of uh, uh, set of standards for our industry that uh, that's out there. Yeah, and yeah, you're exactly right. Things like yeah, W two multiplier per technician. We know what those numbers are, and. they don't really translate to, to an accountant or a dentist, um, you know, other small to medium-sized businesses. There are some sure. concepts that may, just general accounting principles and just yes. oh, absolutely. Staff, right. staffing yes. problems. And, yes. you know, these days, staffing is a big issue these days, right? People can't Massive. find that. Yeah, they can't they can't find that. Uh, so it would definitely help in some areas, but at least get, just be in a community of, of, of similar you know, situation of business owners that will that'll help you. So, a common criticism to peer groups is that there's no graduating; you just kind of stay in it. You don't get to a certain point where you don't need it anymore. I've heard this criticism before. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that's a mistake. Uh, the as we kind of spoke about earlier, this business changes constantly. Like if someone if someone had that mentality. Uh, Let's say they got in it in 2010 when I got in, in my peer group. And then they said, well, I've been in it for eight years. It's 2018. I've learned everything that I can possibly learn. I don't need this anymore. I'm out. Mm. Well, what's happened in the last couple of years, right? You mentioned global pandemic. I mentioned uh, how cybersecurity and cyber threats and, you know, just the conversation around liability, you know, business liability has upended our businesses. Right, and not only upended our businesses, but upended our customers' businesses. Right. So, I say you need the peer group more than ever now. Not, you know, you're you're evaluating on it what what's happened in the past, not understanding that the future holds different sets of cards for you and I. And you ought to really remain in a peer group because uh, we we we're, we we're, we stand on shifting sands.
0: We certainly do. So what do you think some of the trepidation, what are some of the obstacles that that, that these companies, these MSPs, uh, TSPs have with joining peer groups?
1: Uh, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, so I'll, I guess I'm going to venture into the world of psychology, although sure. I'm not qualified um, uh, to necessarily speak. These are my empirical observations. But I think uh, what requires um, from a personality perspective to become an entrepreneur is, is a certain amount of ego, mm. and that ego is very powerful, and it's an effective tool in starting the business and having the gumption to get out there and slay dragons and you know move things forward and, and make deals happen. But that ego can serve serve you in in, uh, uh, in a negative way. Uh, if left unchecked, and I, quite frankly, in 2010, walked into my peer group thinking that our, you know what, didn't stink, right? Right? I thought we were like I'm looking around the room, going, ah, we're better than everybody else. Well, guess what? <laughs> um, I don't want to say that we were the worst, but we certainly were not the best, right. and that opened my eyes up to, yeah, like there's so much to learn out there, even even though. Um, you know, later on, I became trusted enough to become a facilitator for two other groups. So there, that must say something about me. But you know, I'm I'm trying to still be humble here and say I still had a lot to learn, right? And I'm still learning even as a facilitator.
0: Have to be open to learning, absolutely. And and generally That's... speaking, in very wide kind of swaths, I I kind of see MSPs and even small business medium owners kind of have uh, one is kind of a lifestyle where they're very comfortable. That, you know they're making decent money. They're able to go on vacation. They're able to do hobbies, and then they have this other side that's you know wants to grow, wants to grow rapidly, and wants to continue to grow. So on that side, what do you think is stopping a lot of MSPs from growing?
1: Uh, well, I think you kind of hit upon it. I mean, in in the Evolve Peer Group, uh, without getting you know deeply into what their uh, models they call it modes, like what mode is your business in, but you kind of picked on. Um, I'll say sort of the two most common, Mm -hmm. I mean, even though they have, um, a model that describes four different modes, but I'll say, yeah, there's more of that lifestyle business where it's like, Hey, you know what? We're dropping 15% EBITDA on the bottom line every year. Our sales consistently grow by 5%. We've got a little bit of churn every year with customers, but everything is great. And I take four months of vacation a year and life's good. And, you know. Uh, You know, that's it, no problem. Let's even just say 10% EBITDA, which is lower than the industry standard, right? Right. But they're fine. They're happy. They got enough money in the bank. Um, They've saved enough for retirement. And that's cool. They're not looking to kill it, right? Um, Maybe they did early on to get it to that point, but they're kind of smooth sailing. There's others who are, you know, got a lot of fire in the belly, uh, still looking Mm. to grow. Um, And they're aggressive in in their growth mode. Um, And there's nothing wrong with either model. But where I think the trouble people get into in this business is not understanding who they are. There Hmm. are sometimes people that have this um, sort of um, maybe split personality that in some days they're making decisions that are more like a lifestyle business. And then other days where they're thinking more growth-minded. And those two... Are not necessarily compatible, uh, at least until you recognize who you are and what your business is. So, for instance, if you're more of, or if your strong tendency is to be more of a lifestyle business, where you're talking about adding twenty percent growth every year, well, maybe you can't do four months of vacation a year, right? Right. right. Um, so, and that's you know maybe a extreme example, but it does point out that you know you may be uh sort of talking outs uh out of both sides of your mouth. And this is where a peer group is so instrumental mm. because they can help you see the folly in your decision or or perhaps at least just open you up to just different ways of thinking about things.
0: Yeah, very well said. Are most MSPs overtooled?
1: Ha <laughs> uh this is uh you've you've touched upon something that is uh uh, an interesting uh, conversation that I'm having more and more in my peer groups. Uh, and Joe, I assume what you mean by uh, overtooled. Um, this uh, industry has this ecosystem of software developers that create new widgets and tools. And oh, you can you know install this service and get this tool to help your clients or help you service your clients. Um, and we tend to. Keep subscribing to things. This is $199 a month. That's 150 bucks a month. Oh, this is $399 a month. But you know, before you turn, you know, before you turn around, you got ten different tools, and you're spending five grand a month on them. And while they all have value, um, a lot of MSPs kind of get uh, stuck in this mode of not extracting the maximum value out of all of them. And what I kind of mean by this is we'll subscribe to a tool, use the obvious and easy, let's say top 40% of the tool, but never take the time to put resources into, you know, be it manpower, be it training, be it, you know, the actual time Mm -hmm. into extracting the other 60% out. So we tend to like, you know, like go for the easy tips of the icebergs so to speak. And then there's all this un- value underneath that remains, uh, untapped. Um, and what I've seen as a recent trend is a lot of MSPs are looking at, you know, their, you know, 10, 12 tools that they use and go, wow, there's like four or five of these that nah, kind of use a little bit, but I don't really need them. So guess what? Like we're axing it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think that uh, that's a good segue to vendors and uh, the partnership between msps and the the companies that provide those tools and services to help them with their clients is an important one you know what kind of uh, mistakes what kind of issues do you see with vendors what are they doing wrong what are they doing right how do they how do they need to know yeah. that and understand the msp better
1: well you know it's easy it's easy to you know cast stones and Point. Oh, they're doing this wrong. They're doing that wrong. I don't want to make make it sound like I'm that guy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think vendors, for the most part, have uh, gone through, and we've learned together, right? As as the buyers of their services and products, and them as the creators of these products and services, we've learned as a community because we're kind of in this thing together. Right. Our success depends on theirs, and vice versa. Um, and they've learned uh, to understand uh, the day in the life of an MSP. Right and how we sell. Like we don't sell tools. I don't sell your widget. Right. I'm selling our breadth of services, which includes maybe your widget. Right. And I don't talk about your widget. I'm talking about my brand, not your brand. Um, so they they're they're in tune to that and they've they've priced things that um, are more subscription based because it's how we sell. Right. These are just some examples of of them getting in our heads um, uh, and understanding how we do business so that they can help us or help facilitate us uh doing better business with our customers. So I want to say overall the industry has matured greatly in that in that regard. And and I, you know, I applaud everyone who's in this industry for doing a great job with that. Now, does that mean that we're great? No. There's always room for improvement. One of the areas that I see is always troublesome to me. Is the onboarding process right? Mm. I've subscribed to your product or service. How do you uh, enable me to be super successful with it? Um, And it's such a hard thing to do because none of us have the time to put the resources into it, right? We got we went to a trade show, we saw something that was really cool that solved some really important problems for us to be solved, and we've subscribed yet we're not necessarily putting. Um, the right energy into it. And I think um, it's incumbent upon both us and the vendor to figure out ways to make that onboarding process as efficient um, and uh, as in, and also as in-depth enough, right? That's that sort of tug of war, hmm. right? Uh, of how do I enable you to use this tool in a way that um, you're going to find that it's providing the maximum value for the money that you're paying us, um, so I, I, see that as an issue and just a, ongoing account management. Here's the other interesting thing. Uh, and this kind of goes back to the early part of our, uh, conversation about software development and how we both got into this business. We both know that software and features and technology changes super fast. So that, that tool that I subscribed to, or that I purchased two years ago, or has like 25 revisions to it since then, right, right. and I can't tell you how many times I catch myself, this company, or even my peers that go, oh, we use that. I didn't know it could do that, mm. right? Because it's hard to keep on top of these things. Um, so I don't know how we solve that, quite frankly, but I think me bringing it to light, and I'm not doing anything really all that um, you know, uh, spectacular here. All I'm just doing is regurgitating what I hear, but I think the awareness that that is a problem is the first step. and we just have to figure out better ways of of, uh, of digesting that. You know, oh, we send you our newsletters. Okay, great. where do they go? Oh, they're in my spam filter. Mm. Like you know, I'm not even reading what the new features are. Um, it's uh, you know and you, you know when you're when you're small, you can do it. When you get to a certain size 20 2030, employees, 40 employees, it's hard to stay on top of everything, right? And I would imagine there's another inflection point when you're much bigger, that's when it justifies hiring a person to concentrate on these things. But a lot of MSPs are sort of in that middle ground where, you know, you're doing so many things, it's hard to concentrate on those.
0: It's very true. I, I can remember specifically seeing some of my vendor partners at trade shows and just Walking up to the booth, say, "How's it going?" And then, Joe, did you know we have these? You know, this vision came. The revision nope. came out. <laughs> no, did not know that yeah. at all. So we, yeah. you know, oftentimes the trade shows. I think the mindset of a lot of vendors is net new, net new. How many more can we bring on? I think they yeah. also need to have the the mindset of, "Hey, we're also going to deeper engage to our current base."
1: That's very, those are very wise words, Joe. I totally agree with that. That's, that would be any vendor listening to this, um, should, should really pay attention to that point. It's not just about net new, it's about re-engaging with your existing base and making sure that they know or like every, like they, you know, and vendors will openly talk about this with Mm. like, we don't have, you know, enough wallet share from particular, uh, partners, you know, meaning like us, right. Um, they, they, they haven't, uh, fully, they're either not using all of their products and services for all of their customers, or uh, we're not, we're just kind of scratching the surface on the use of those tools. So we become a flight risk for them, right? Because if I'm only using the top 20% of your tool or your product, not using the other 80%, guaranteed your competitor is showing me the other 80% when I'm speaking to them. And I'm going to go, Oh, yours is much better. And I'm going to switch over. Like, so this, you know, it's, it's a challenge. um, And I don't, necessarily envy vendors for, for that, but, um, but you know, it's a community and I think the right-minded people, uh, invest into the relationship, uh, to drive as much value as we can out of them.
0: Yeah. Very good point about that. Competitors may show some features and that you, you didn't even know your product may have. And I've, I've heard, I've heard the term, Uh, Partner tax, you know, because, you know, the big shows are very expensive for these vendors. So what they're thinking about is, you know, is it worse? What's the ROI? Did we get new partners? Did we? And I I think the mind shift has to set uh, has to shift there and partner taxes. Well, you're also paying for your current partners to learn more about your product. So Mm. don't think about the whole cost of it as net new, but also, you know, deeper, getting deeper involved, like we both
1: agree. Yeah. But you, you know, what's driving that budget for that show, right? It's the, the you know, it's the sales and marketing yeah, budget, and marketing. not the, you know, not account management customer right. retention budgets.
0: Yeah. And deeper engagement. Yeah. That, that's a
1: very, very great lesson for all
0: you vendors out there listening. Yes. Uh, yes. need to need to understand uh, a lot of those shows already have your partners, but they want to dig deeper. Um, Overall, do you think that the the vendors understand MSPs?
1: I think it's a a good blanket statement. Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that don't are not necessarily um, the vendors themselves, the companies, but maybe some newer employees. You know, so I always try to make an effort if I'm engaged with you know vendor X or Y or Z, if they've got a new representative. I try to engage with them to like, hey, do you got any questions for me about my business? Like you already Mm -hmm. sold me, right? Like, you know, but I'm trying to be helpful back just to say, is there anything I can do to help you understand more about this industry? Um, uh, But, you know, but I think the company themselves, um, you're not going to be successful unless you speak our lingo, right? You know, I remember years ago, uh, a classic example of this Um, was, I want to say, maybe seven or eight years ago. It could even be a little longer than that. Antivirus vendors used to come and try to sell to us, and everybody was buying antivirus on an annual subscription basis, right? And then one antivirus vendor um, (laughs) finally listened to the MSPs, and and the MSPs were clamoring for, but I charge my, my customers per user per month. Can't you bill me the same way? Now think about that really for anybody listening, whether you're in this space or not. I mean, it's not a big stretch to conceive that, yeah, we could probably just change our billing, right? Like what's the harm in that? And man, they exploded. They,
0: Web-root,
1: yeah, yeah, it was Webroot. Yeah they, know, yeah. they, 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 everybody was signing up for that purely because of the way they build. Now think about that just for a minute. It's Let's wonderful. really digest what I've just said. Yeah. Because it's very profound. I wasn't buying on features. I wasn't buying on product efficacy or reputation, right? You didn't have a better widget or a better mousetrap. You just build me the way I wanted to be built. And that made all the difference in the world. I mean, listen, obviously the product had to have a certain quality to it. But in that, in those days, I used to joke like, you know, you all suck. It just matters which one of you sucks the least. Um <laughs> And Cause you know, we were all like, it was, we're all frustrated by it, but like we all still needed an- a good solid antivirus tool and they had one, but they just, the way they build for it made it very attractive. And you know what? MSPs need to learn from this too. We've been, we've got a little philosophy here internally. We don't call our, our clients, clients or customers, we call them partners. Mm. So we've tried to adopt a partner centric lens in everything that we do. And I actually challenged our finance team to start thinking about the way we bill our customers and what like sort of like what are the things they complain about to us? What are their pain points or confusion? Where are the friction points? Start looking at your department from their lens and then start, you know, start thinking about ways that you can change our behavior so that it more it makes life easier for them.
0: Yeah, what a wonderful example there. And and you, the beginning of it where you said, you know, once you get onboarded, ask the vendor, what what do you need to know about my business? You know, there'll be so many MSPs that, that will offer that up and the MSP can learn. And then get the example of the one antivirus. I, I did the same thing. Forza did the same thing. And we just assumed – all the features and the, it was it was just as good as the other but again yep. they just build monthly and that made yep. the world a difference we didn't do it have to And they they away. cleaned house. Oh, they did. They took over. Everybody moved to them. Everybody moved to them. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great example and um uh, I I f- actually forgot about that. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh Hey Robert, what motivates you?
1: Huh. Um that's a great question. Um I mean, there's a lot of things that motivate me, right? Just this, uh, just this desire to succeed, um, and, uh, reach my potential. Like I, I, I have two, two, uh, girls, one in college, one in middle school and, you know, our, and, and they're brilliant. I mean, you know, the, the, they're way smarter than I am. Yes. Um, they, we've always, my wife and I have always been on this page of, we're going to hold you accountable to what your potential is hmm. because we've live our lives that way too. Like if your potential is a B, then that's what we want you to get. Like if you get an A, that's awesome. But like if you're getting C's, like that's no bueno because your real potential is a B. And I guess that's just my wiring. Right. And I talked a little bit about my family heritage and roots and upbringing. I think that's what's always, um, make me have this, made me have this outlook that this isn't about making the most money or getting my name in the news or winning an award it's more about me doing the best that I can and being the best version of myself that I can possibly be um and that's kinda what drives me right that's I guess that's the the force behind everything that I do whether its in the community in my personal relationships uh, or, or business, right. Is just to, uh, you know, I, there are days I go home. I'm disappointed. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, mm, you know, I, I, I skipped out on doing a couple of things that I really should have done that day. Right. Uh, I procrastinated or I put something I like put something off like, that's not you, Robert, right? You're a dragon slayer. Go slay dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Dragon slayers. Don't, you know, sit on, on the sidelines and, you know, watch the world go by, uh, you need to go out there and do what you're designed to do. Um, so if you're a dragon slayer, slay dragons, right? If you're a mechanic, then fix cars, right? If you're a dentist, then then take people's pain away uh, in, the, in their you know and provide them great you know dental health. Um, and so in this in this business of providing IT services, um, it's not necessarily about providing IT services. It's about providing uh, value to our partners' businesses. Uh, I, I and I've tried to instill this in our entire team here too, is that ultimately what we're doing here is improving their business and their lives, right? This isn't like, oh, I fixed something or I installed something. You got to think beyond that. What is really the meaning and value behind the thing that you did, right? If you're a mechanic, you're enabling somebody to pick up their kids reliably from daycare, right? Like, that's a much more powerful statement than the car works. Mm.
0: So what motivates you?
1: <laughs> uh, just like I said, to be the best version of me that I can be and to, to, to provide value to other people. And if I'm not providing value to other people in everything that I do, if I'm not improving the lives of others, if I'm not, I've heard the term and you know, it's a common one. If I'm not the rising tide that lifts all boats, I'm not doing my job. Right. And I get a, I get a lot of satisfaction uh, personally and professionally in being the guy who can do that. Right. That can that can help a team of people achieve their objectives and their goals or to even surgically get in someplace and, you know, fix a problem or bring different insights to a conversation.
0: Yeah. You're definitely good at that too. Uh, That's, it's very, it's motivating just to hear that. And you mentioned before about, um, you know, your children and their potential and other potential. I think to me, one of the greatest insults is being called lazy because it means that you can do it. You just didn't want to, it's just kind of wasted, you know, and people kind of throw that term around a bit and I'm like, Oh boy, I, I don't know any other, you know, greater, greater insult because it's just wasted, uh, wasted. It's just, it's terrible. Is this
1: where the Italian comes in, Joe? We've got plenty of uh, uh, insults that we can verbalize (laughs) and not just Italian, but in the various dialects.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The swearing. (laughs) No, we're going to stay away from that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. uh, Italian swearing and and American uh, swearing. It's very, very, but it's like romantic when they swear. It is. It is. You know, my girlfriend, whenever I show her some Italian or even in a menu or something and she tries to pronounce it, she always sings it. I was like, baby, you don't really have to sing it, but you just can't help yourself. And she goes, Yeah, I guess, I guess frutto de mare. You know, and she starts, like, she
1: starts adding. Well, she's not far off, right? Yeah, I guess like that's it's, true. That's the way you're, it is a little sing song. That's right. Ask. That's right. Fish yeah. soup sounds
0: romantic. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> well, only an Italian can make fish soup sound romantic. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do you measure success?
1: Huh? Um, I mean, it may. it it kind of comes back a little bit to what I've said is, is reaching your potential. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I, we may be venturing a little bit into philosophy here. Like I'm, I don't necessarily subscribe to a lot of relativism. Mm. Uh, I'm more of an absolute, uh, but to me reaching your, your potential is your absolute and you need to reach your potential. Um, and so that is success to me, but I think it's more than that too. It's also uh, a truly successful person, not only understands their boundaries and limitations, but can transcend them and push the envelope a little further, right? It doesn't need to be a quantum leap. It, you just move the line a bit. Like if you're moving that line, then you're doing better and better every day, right? Um, I have a lot of personal goals that I'm not necessarily achieving, but I'm cognizant of them. And even though I put a lot of pressure on myself for not getting there, I kind of look back in time and say, you know what? I'm in a better place than I was when I started this journey two years ago or three years ago or five years ago or whatever it is. And I have pushed the envelope a little bit. Um, and so am I being, you know, by the definition, have I succeeded at the goal? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I'm succeeding because it's a journey to get there sometimes. So,
0: yeah, very, very well said. Very well said. And uh, I love that answer. And it uh, it differs from everybody, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, your definition of success might be I'm going to be the best, um, you know, like with my wife, she has her PhD in biochemistry, right? Mm. You know, she was a scientist working at Howard Hughes Medical Institute, one of the most sought after postdoctoral positions in the world, right? Um, And she tossed it aside because what became more important, and there's a big story behind that, so I'm oversimplifying it. But, you know, she decided, um, we decided together, but it was really kind of like her driving this is that we wanted that, raise a family together, right? And so she has become like the absolute best, you know, mom that I think, you know, is out there. She Mm. has done a phenomenal job with our children and making the household run and being supportive of me and in my business and and even now reengaging in the workforce in a different capacity. Um, She's, you know, she's got amazing potential and whatever she's doing, she is super successful in doing that because of what she is, I'll say bred to do, right? She has the same sort of philosophical thinking of success and boundary, you know, pushing as I do. You know, when she was interviewing for a a position that was not in her field, they were like, why do you want to do this? You got your PhD in biochemistry. She was like, it like, and her answer was sincere. Sounds like a challenge and it would be a lot of fun Hmm. and she's killing it. She's absolutely killing it, like in a field completely different in financial services and insurance, right? And she is, (laughs) because she's probably the smartest person I know. Um, One of my brothers might take exception to that. So sorry, Al. Uh, But Monita is really, really, she's a genius. She's really like the sharpest tool that I know out there.
0: Very interesting. Very, very Cool. Robert Shofi, thank you so much for your time today. What a pleasure! One of, the, one of the great things I love about you, by the way, is not you continue to elevate. You know what you do in your business, and but you, you turn it around and you facilitate. You help other MSPs. You're certainly not doing that for the money. You, you're. you're no. I feel you're doing that because you just love, as you as you outlined today, you just love to help and be one of the elements in helping people grow
1: it's it's an honor and a privilege to be part of that community and you know to be uh, to be in the position of facilitating two groups like this if i can if I can help each one of those members and I have you know a total of 20 members in my two groups, 10 in each if I can help each one of them in some small marginally five percent improvement in their life and in their business then, I mean, you know, when I get to the pearly gates and St. Peter is going down the nice and the naughty list uh, for me, um, you know, hopefully I have a lot more check marks in the nice uh, column because you're right. I'm not doing it necessarily for the money. I'm doing a lot of it for um, just this desire to help others and um, this calling um, inside uh, to just be as helpful as I can and, and the satisfaction I get from it.
0: Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much for your time today. I love talking to you. I, I I know the listeners will too. How can we get in touch with you? If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: Uh, sure. They can find me on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm a, a link, LinkedIn kind of denizen or lizard out there. I'm like i I'm, I'm always kind of putting weird, quirky things out there. Um, so you can just look me up, Robert CIO C-I-O-F-F-I. You can email me at Robert C at progressivecomputing.com. I know that's a mouthful, so I'll say it again. It's just Robert and then C uh, for Chaffee, at progressivecomputing.com. And Joe, I know we're going to talk a little Italian, so uh, I'll say il piacere è tutto mio, which means, for you non-Italian speakers, the pleasure is all mine.
0: I agree. Grazie. Grazie mille. Robert for you be well. And uh, I know we're, we're talking all the time, almost daily. I can I look forward to continuing that relationship. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Joe, thank you for your friendship, too. I really appreciate you.
0: Appreciate you as well. Robert,
1: be well. Okay. Ciao. Arrived Live day, long actually. and prosper. Uh,
0: yeah. How do you say that in Italian? Do you know?
1: Uh, um, uh, <laughs> vive prosper. lungo e uh, prosperi. I, hmm. I took a, I took a quick stab at that. I probably it's, goofed yeah, it up. Yeah, I wonder if there's that. Put me on the spot. <laughs>
0: I remember in, in Italy, we used to see Star Trek, and it was Spazio, L'ultimo Frontier. You know, space, <laughs> the final frontier. It was always the beginning of the you know the little.
1: Robert, thank you so much. You be well. Ciao. Okay. Ciao, ciao, bello. Ciao.
0: Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Penn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode our website www.joeypins.com. there you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list please follow us on all our social media instagram twitter and facebook podcast information the video version of our podcast is on youtube please subscribe audio is on all major podcasting platforms please follow them and if you like it please consider giving five star rating would really appreciate that would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, $10, or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversation.